one thing I always get asked is like, where do you start? I start by living life. I start by consuming information. I consume music. I consume culture, sports, and all of that comes into play to make something unique. What's going on? You're listening to episode 85 of the Perspective Podcast, and I'm your host, Scotty Russell of Perspective Collective. This show is about carving out time to build something for yourself. I want to share what is and isn't working for me, along with sharing my guest point of view. This platform also allows me to cast the spotlight and celebrate those creating big waves in the community through interviews and a weekly dose of inspiration in the outro. So stick around to the end because it could be you. Let's start this off with a quick announcement. It's time to put this year's pop-up crop on your calendar. So Friday, August 17th, Matt and Ariadna Dawson of Stay Gray Pony Boy and Pony Girl are throwing a massive one-day creative party with support from the homies Industry Print Shop out of Austin and your very own Lincoln Design Co. And this will be held in Portland. Unfortunately, I won't be there as it hovers over my son's due date, but I know the magic of crop events as Matty Ice has sold out every conference event he's hosted over the last three years. And at this event, you'll also get to chop it up with freaking Benny Gold, Mark Bricky from Adventures in Design Podcast, Lisa Congdon, my brother Jason Craig, and Tina Snow Lay. There will also be a pre-party tour at Lincoln Studio Thursday the 16th, so get to know them a little bit more by listening to episode 41 of the podcast from last year. That has by far been the most listened to episode, so don't miss that one. And swoop your tickets today at popupcrop.com. This one will sell out just like every other one has, and please go there and party for me. You will not regret it. Okay, so... Recently, my wife, Emily, brought up this quote to me as we were preparing the mural to go in little Dougie Fresh's room. And this quote was by Ursula K. Lee Gwynn. And it's the famous quote, the creative adult is the child who survived. So I've heard this one before, but this time around, it really got me thinking. Kids grow up pouring out their ideas with crayon to paper and sometimes walls without ever second guessing it. You know, they have no agenda. They strictly play and create whenever the mood is right. There's no worry about curation or stressing over the validation of what Instagram thinks or any other social platform. They only seek the validation of their parents and hope it graces the frigid front of the refrigerator. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our pretty Instagram feeds that we don't give ourselves permission to be curious and play as creative adults. We often restrict ourselves from pushing our limits by branching out to different styles and mediums. It's not only a comfortable, but holy shit, it may not perform well, causing you to lose a gaggle of followers. You know, what could be worse? Well, that's where we cue today's guests, lettering Goliath and child at heart, Eric Marinovich out of San Francisco. From the outside looking in, not only does Eric's playful yet crafted letter form scream fun and exciting, but you can tell he's enjoying every minute that goes into his work. Of course, he slays projects for the biggest names in the game like Sprite, Nike, Google, Target, and one of the most recent is the NBA playoffs for the Golden State Warriors. 
Yet, what sets him apart is his imagination and curiosity that allow him to play and always experiment. In today's episode, we go deep into topics like constantly pushing your limits and exploring new styles, striking while the iron's hot, work-life balance, attracting and creating new opportunities, his favorite drink, and of course, pizza. You can find the show notes to this episode packed to the brim with Eric's work and everything we reference at perspective-collective.com slash 85. If you found value in this episode, please consider supporting the show by becoming a pledger at patreon.com slash perspective podcast with as little as your weekly cup of coffee. You can help this show reach more people who need it while helping me continue to improve the quality and bring on more help. What also helps the show grow is by sharing the show on social media, subscribing, and leaving a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And I'm just finding out for those who have been leaving reviews outside of the United States through iTunes and Apple Podcasts, I don't get to see those. And that's whack as hell. So if you're from the United States, please leave a rating and review because in the outro of each episode, I share a review from someone like you to publicly return the love. And finally, if you catch some inspiration from the show, create some work and tag me at Perspective Podcast on Instagram. I'll give it a share where I post each week's episode artwork and make sure you get some credit. Let's get into the show. someone up so I, I knew you're busy with this whole nba final stuff this is crazy man <laughs> it is crazy man i'm like still doing work to the last minute but i just wrapped it all pretty much wrapped it up for now which is good i gotta ask how did like that land in your laps how did that happen like because you've been a warriors fan right yeah and just making like work just out of the uh, for the passion of it i guess you know i have this like firm belief that you have to believe in it that'll happen law of attraction yeah you got to believe it and then just with a lot of hard work it'll come about but did i know it would be this kind of scope of work no um i would have just been cool with like a graphic tee you know <laughs> i wasn't expecting for the moon yeah yeah like did someone just hit you up did you have a tie to it or the agency could be silverstein that's done it for the last three years they hit me up and um just said i think this year we need to make this good and that was it so i i didn't have much time to pitch it but what i put together they liked enough and then i got it crazy did they pitch you the concept of strength and numbers did they already know what they wanted or was that your idea no 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 so strength and numbers is what steve kerr which is the head coach of the warriors that's his that's been his mantra ever since he started there okay so that's yeah that's their like internal team mantra awesome yeah 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 so they just expanded on that it's been around in the playoff camp they've used it in the last three year three yeah four years the last four years they've used it but this year they like really dialed it up um yeah it's everywhere i like how you did like even like the names and everybody else's name is scraping backdrops. Like it's wild. That's gotta be just the project of a lifetime. Yeah. 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 And it was cool. I had a, I had a lot of help with Goodby Silverstein. There's this girl, Angie there that, um, we collaborate. She just, she was great. We're kind of speaking in the past right now. So tonight's like game four. Are you smelling a sweep right now? 
That's it. After this, I'm going to the Oracle Arena to go to the watch party to watch it uh, at the arena. Yeah. Yeah, I won't. Yeah. I won't hold you too long because you probably got to get some pre-gaming in. At least I know I would be. <laughs> you you could pre-game right now if you wanted to. Yes, perfect. I am. <laughs> All right, perfect. Um, for those who don't know, we're just jumping right in, man. Uh, give our listeners a brief Wikipedia page summary about yourself. And there's a huge lettering audience that's tuned into this, so I'd be surprised if people didn't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm Eric Marinovich. I'm a lettering artist based in the beautiful city of San Francisco. I've been here for about 10 years. Prior to that, lived and worked in New York for a while. And yeah, lettering is all I know how to do. I love it every day and it never gets old. So here we are. I feel you, man. Well, what's been like the crooked path that's gotten you to where you are today? Like, what did you do before you went full-time lettering? I know me, I had a couple shitty jobs that I hated at the time, but they taught me some valuable skills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same. I'm sure we can all share that same story. So for me, I worked in branding a while. And then when I moved from New York back to California, where I'm originally from, I knew I always liked type design, lettering, and calligraphy. But to tell you the truth, I didn't necessarily know it was like a profession. Did you go to school for any of that or just design? I went to school for design and fine art. But in class, the word lettering was never thrown out as a term. Like, it was just calligraphy and, you know, redraw like Caslon and Bedoni a million times. Yep. <laughs> so the crooked path would be, I moved back to California and at that point decided to freelance, but that was also the downturn of the economy. So around 2008. Yeah. So I was just kind of like a gun for hire going from studio to the studio, just sh- schlepping it as I call those years. And, um, one day at my freelance, uh, at this studio I was working at, I had a really bad, I had a really, really bad meeting. Like they hated all the work that I did. And then I came out of that and like went home. And usually, you know, I think what most of us find is solace in our sketchbook. So you kind of like go there. And for those who can't afford a therapist, you just kind of take two hours to draw in a, in a notebook. So that's what I would do. But in this occasion, I just wrote a very juvenile phrase that said like, thank you and fuck you. Um, with a highlighter and sent that to my buddy, Aaron, who I used to work with in New York. Aaron saw that. He's like, Oh man, you should post this somewhere. I'm like, where? And this is the age of like, you know, bookmarking websites found found was just coming out. Um, this is probably even pre Tumblr anyways. So him and I came up with friends of type and made a website in eight hours and launched it and then game over. And that's how it all started. All started. Uh, that was the turning point. Cause, um, at that moment I realized really that was the thing that I loved, you know, cause I feel like you're, if you're in the moment where you're doing something and you don't, aren't really conscientious of, of time and responsibility, I think you found the thing that you probably are put here to do. Lost in the sauce for sure. Yeah. It just took me until I was about 29 years old to figure that out. Luckily. And I invested a lot of time. So I told my girlfriend now wife, uh, she could see in my eyes that I just, something had shifted in my tone of voice and all that. And I spent the next, she told me like, not told me, but we came up with this agreement that I could work basically take on only enough work to cover my overhead, which was uh, the rent. And then she would cover like food and other expenses. So that really gave me a huge, um, time where I could actually shift priorities and just focus on teaching myself. 
how did you go about teaching yourself? Like, did you know about lettering books and Doyle Young and all that at the time? Or there wasn't really online courses? Like, how did you go about it before lettering was lettering? Uh, I just had a speedball, like one of those speedball lettering. What do they call them? But little speedball reference books, right? Yeah, yeah. They've made like 8 million of them at yeah, this point. I think I got a couple but, here somewhere too in my little stash. Yeah. To, you can buy them for 25 cents on eBay. Um I really had that and that kind of opened the door because that was a compendium of all these different styles that is it Ross George, I believe who did all the speedball stuff. I hope I get that right. Um, I should know that, but that really was kind of the gateway into it. And then, you know, as you do research that leads you on to like a slew of different people, you know, the blue balance, the Carnassies, the Benguets. A little bit more about friends of type in case people don't know that, so that's still obviously live and kicking. Like, who else is in that group? Yeah, uh, thanks for mentioning it. So there's four of us. So it was originally started um, by Aaron Carambula and myself. But as we started to put work into it, because it was a time where prior to like Friends of Type, the things that existed in the creative field were um, sites that aggregated everything, right? They're pulling from people's personal websites where this one, we actually um, were developing original content and just siloing it into this one, um, one place. So we realized that we couldn't keep up with this um, self pronounced kind of, what was it? Self pronounced initiative in which we would do one original post a day between Aaron and I. And we quickly realized that that was a, a very dumb idea. So we then brought on two other friends that we worked with in New York, Jason Wong and Dennis Pyongyang. And all of us kind of shared this um, mutual passion on, on lettering, type design, and calligraphy. Brought those guys on, and then we were able to kind of keep up this posting one a day. And so for those first three years, uh, yeah, we posted um, like 828 posts in 993 days. It was just insane. It was just, but in that course, I like really taught I, I, I taught myself a lot, um, and I'm still learning as we all are, but it was really, really helpful to have that space to develop a body of work. Did it start catching attention, and then did that lead to a Tumblr, and then that lead to an Instagram, and any of that? Man, I'm, I'm so blessed to have gotten into this before all the social media. Because it was like, like you and Jessica Hish and who else kind of rode that. You were like the first wave, and then I got in like – the second wave of things like I was lucky to get into it like four years ago, a little over four years ago. And now it's everywhere. Yeah. Like friends of type. I think Jessica and I were trying to figure it out, but friends of type started like five days before daily drop cap. Yeah. I was say the drop cap was her thing. Yeah. So, you know, when you and your peers are all in the same wavelength and, but everyone's just like tapping into it, um, on the course of at a different time. So it was, it was a beauty. It was, it was awesome, man. You know, uh, I, appreciate it. I'm grateful, but I think it's also recognizing where you are. And when you finally find that, that thing that you're most happy to do. And once you find it, you're like, you'll move mountains to just pursue it. Okay. So it's, it's saturated as fuck right now, (laughs) but it's not too late for people to still get in. If they find that this like lights their spirit up, how would you suggest somebody find their own style and voice? Because if you scroll in, you know, it's, it's the same old, same old. Don't do, don't do lettering on a chalkboard because that's been done. Um, don't do, don't put letters on an image of a forest. You know, I think you have to be mindful of, it's like watching TV, right? 
if there was only one channel, we would all be bored. But the thing that makes it different is we have a slew of different channels and then each channel delivers some unique content. Going into it, you have to be mindful to deliver something that hasn't been seen. We're all drawing from the same set of characters, which is the alphabet. But I think the thing that you really have to find is like where your voice is using that medium. And if that medium is the alphabet, how do you make it more personalized with the things that you're interested in and translate that through your filters into making a body of work that, you know, hasn't been seen. And I think what probably people are doing is they're seeing the other people that they're inspired by and obviously mimicking it. We've all done it. I've done it. But I think there's, there's gotta be a time and a place where you start acknowledging that, that you've like, all right, I've done as much as I can and I've learned as much as I can from these uh, other talented people, but maybe I should start pursuing, um, a different medium. Maybe I should start oil painting these letter points. You know, like that's just one, one example. I don't know if you knew this, but when I finally got to meet you at Creative Works and hear your talk and take your workshop, um, it was a huge relief for me because my shit, I'm, I'm consistently inconsistent. I like to experiment too much. And I thought that was like, I thought you needed to be known for one thing. You know, and that's how you get known for being hired because you're per, a specialist at one thing. But you, you're all over the place with different styles. Like you give your, pers, yourself permission to create and that was really eye-opening for me and it allowed me to start like having fun again with my work and oddly enough my accounts and everything started growing and then showing it within the podcast so you know what's what's the value you find in giving yourself permission to constantly experiment and play and get loose with it and have fun instead of feeling like you need to be a curated robot and only show one dimension of things my game is longevity and all of the people that i learned from and not necessarily contemporaries, but I, um, to backtrack more of the people whose books I purchased, used books I purchased, like the Lou Balance and stuff. You look at the body of work that they amassed over like a, I don't know, some, some were a decade, some were four decades long. And you can see their hand in it, a continuous hand, but the arch of the body of work that they do is just, they are trying all these different things. They're trying to, you know, to draw from different letter forms. They're making letter forms out of like three dimensional letter forms out of concrete. You know, it's just like, you can't necessarily expect to um, do one thing forever and be successful forever. Um, so I understand that. And I, I really put that into practice saying that like, if I've only been doing brush script forever, maybe it's, um, I should seize the opportunity where like I take a month off and develop a whole new body of work, a whole new series. Um, but using a different medium, like going up to the mountains and carving letter forms out of snow, you know, like, or your boxers ones that you created the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, because man, inspiration is around you all the time. And I think that's, we, we get intimidated that, as you start doing things and you start getting notice, you, you, you figure out that formula and you try to keep repeating it to kind of like just generate that stimulate that the eyes are still on you where I think, um, it's a better place to be where you, you do one thing for a while, but then you also take another risk. Cause if that one risk got you to the place where you got notice, um, imagine taking more risks to even just grow, grow your own talent. And I think that's the thing that, um, I respect 
of my contemporaries are those who like double down on their wrists. Like we'll just shift gears and do something completely else. Like, all right, uh, I'm going to start a band. I don't know. You know, like there's plenty of people that I know that shifted gears completely. I'm like taking their talent to a new level. So how do you keep yourself switching up? How do you know when you've kind of hit that wall? Like, damn, I'm, I'm feeling a little stagnant right now. Like where, where do you source that inspiration? I know it's all around you, but like say you've been doing brush script for, you know, forever, you know, how do you, how do you know when it's time to do a, a change of pace? It's when you start getting hired to do the same thing over and over. I think that's the easiest way to, to like acknowledge, all right, am I going to be this one trick pony or am I going to like develop a new body of work, put it out in the world, either via social media and, and let that just kind of marinate out there. Cause what I find is every time that I like kind of shift gears on styles, if I put it out, say post it on Instagram, I feel like there's this one to two year cycle in which like that thing that I did that maybe nobody liked because it was off of what I normally do that in a year or two, all of a sudden you'll get art directors saying like, Hey, saw this thing. And, um, we think it's would be an awesome style for this new ad campaign we're doing or this new label for, for whatever, for this package. So I think, um, being mindful of that is, is huge and not many, you know, it's just, it's hard to do too. It's hard to just stop what you're doing, invest like two weeks to just switch it up. It's tough. It's very tough. Creating the things that maybe aren't in at the time. I think so many of us get wrapped up. Like, I'm going to create this because people like to see it instead of I'm going to create this because I think it's dope and different. So many people get wrapped up into that. And we should celebrate the late, the later, you know, instead of like, Oh, let's just do whatever's popular. Um, you know, cause that's the easy way out or easy way in. Um, I think maybe it was you. Do you say you don't like follow that many people on Instagram because you don't want to like soak up, ideas from other people that way you can constantly just like have your own unique ideas was that you no but it's definitely something i've thought about um but the thing that i talk about is if you present something new to the world and it doesn't get and i always it's so funny all these conversations evolve around social media because that's the new currency that we all live in besides crypto crypto's coming <laughs> <laughs> buy it now yeah is if i do post something that gets 10% of my like normal, whatever likes, I know I'm onto something, I'm onto something new, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate those moments and I look out for those for when they hit. Um, so it's just something to be mindful of. I mean, you gotta have, you know, a little bit of a, a spark to know that you're on the right track. It's like, that doesn't need to be your oxygen, but at least, you know, like you're throwing some spaghetti on the wall and something sticking <laughs> sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. You know? Um, but I also think it's just like we, as people, our interests evolve, the people we hang out with change and all of those come into play. And they basically, I, I always talk about, you know, they filter through all the stuff that you're thinking about and how you see and the lens that you put on the world and, uh, just being open to like, look for new things, have new conversations because that really will entice you to, um, create, create new, interesting work. Cause that's how I, a lot of that stuff fuels me like having these conversations or making time to actually just not do what I do every day, you know, just live. How often do you make time to just play outside of like 
client work. I'm sure you have a stack list. You're to the point where you don't have to say yes to everything, obviously, you know, but like, do you set aside time each day to like, this is playtime? It happens when I'm moved by the spirit. For a long time, I tried to like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to first thing I do when I get to work is I'm just going to sketch and doodle for like 20 minutes. I did that for a solid year. But what I found is that you can't schedule creativity. It's something that I fought with that I eventually in the last like um, in this last year, I've just like been open to accepting the fact that I don't have to like walk in every day being like, I'm going to make something new. I'm going to make something that's worth posting on Instagram. It's more of like, when the idea hits, then I'll make that effort. Like strike when the iron's hot or something like that. Yeah. 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 Because that's when you're at your peak, your peak motivation, right? Because when you have the idea, but then get to a month later, it doesn't have that same type of, um, you're not motivated the same way you are when you like finally see it and you have it the fresh eyes and you're not like criticizing the work as you're making it. You're just making it to get it done. What do you do when you get like an idea that pops on your head, but you don't got time to get to it now? Do you like collect your ideas or anything like that? Do you have like an ongoing list or do you just like, if you get an idea, you act on it? I act on it and I'll just like do the client work at midnight and just say, that's why I always say like end of day, which end of day could be midnight, you know, or 9am when you get to work the next day. That's interesting. I'm like that guy who like has to carry a field notes around with me to like jot down an idea so if I like get home I can work on it or something but interesting so if you're like driving in the car and you get a dope idea do you just like pull over the side of the road and get cracking <laughs> I just stop in the middle of the lane and say <laughs> everyone can drive around me no. tough shit I'm Eric Marinovich bitch no, I'm just... I don't even put on my hazard lights <laughs> <laughs> so freelance life a lot of people think this shit's all sunshine and rainbows like I don't do it full time I would like to get there, but I realize after all these people I talk to, you know, it's not the perfect life, especially if you have a project you have to work at, you know, on midnight, you know, what, what are some of the obstacles you face doing your thing? Because obviously you want that time freedom and eventually financial freedom, but there's sacrifice that comes with it. You know, what are some of the things you've faced and learned over the years? Oh, you, you it's just a way of life, man. You have to structure your whole routine, um, your whole life around being flexible. I am married and I have two children and the freelance lifestyle is, is, is tough, right? Because I don't have the same amount of time that I had before where I could just basically work into oblivion. Now my schedule is a little bit more set in stone because it's like, get here at nine 30. I'm out at four 30 because I have to drop off and pick up my son. Do you like plan your day ahead? Like the night before, like you literally have your scheduled routine or no, the only routine is just knowing like when I have to drop them off when I'm in the office and when I have to like literally like if I'm not out by five oh like four thirty five or whatever, I'm like I'm toast, you know, because he's gonna be late, I'm gonna be late. And um so but everything in the middle is just when I get in, I just sit and I just cram. Um, which is a little bit different of a work method that I'm used to because I you know, you just you can't sit and expect to hit gold every time. Um, there'll be days where just like everything you do is draw or ideas you come up with are just not good or have been done before. And then it'll be like when you're taking a shower and you don't have your field note to jot it in. There's aqua notes. 
Aquanotes. Yeah, I mention this all the time on the show. Literally, like, then you can write sweet little nothings to your wife or sketch an idea. So, <laughs> I, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. I swear by it. Do you have, is it? Are I'm you not even shitting you, dude. I, wow. There is Aquanotes. Go on Amazon, type Aquanotes, and the tagline is, never let another good idea go down the drain. Oh, shit. Dude, they, they, ha- they have been a lifesaver. <laughs> Like I'll listen to like a podcast like Andy J. Miller. He'll say something that'll spark an idea, and it lets me like jot it down real quick or a quick little thumbnail squat. It's amazing. They should have water Drapland. He don't listen to this, but he should have like waterproof field notes. Mm. Just saying, million dollar idea, innovation. In- in- innovation. Do you have a? Do you have an agent, or do you like handle everything yourself? No, I do because. Um especially now being a parent and managing just uh, uh, a family, bringing somebody in that helps you manage your workflow, dealing with the clients, chasing down the invoices is really beneficial. And that's money well spent for the position I'm in with the time I have allocated in my day to work. So um, Billy Diesel. Did they find you or did you find them? uh, He found me and, um, I just, we both kind of like gave each other a chance, you know what I mean? Because it's a relationship, right? You know, um, he puts in a lot of effort. I put in a lot of effort and our relationship is to make each other happy, to make sure each other's growing. Win-win. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we, we gave it a shot and we just jived really well. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked back. He's been amazing and he's been a good mentor and we've, we've, we've learned a lot. We've cried a lot. <laughs> we've, we've done it together. You know, how long have you had him before? I mean, before that you were going solo three, three to uh, four years. Yeah. He, he's, he's more organized than I am. So he could tell you correctly. I think it's four. Yeah. So before, before you had an agent, cause most listeners don't have an agent, you know, would you just get like email requests and like how did onboarding and, you know, all that go. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's this, there's this like, yo, do you have an agent? And like, is this, is no, you don't need it. You know what I mean? Like I needed it because I didn't have time left in my day to do that stuff anymore. Or I didn't have the capacity to just like sit and grind on emails for like three hours. It's a pain in the ass. It totally is. So, um, uh, it was a risk, right? You know, because it's money I could have either I could have kept for myself, or that's money that I could have just understood that this is what I need to just grow my practice, grow my skill set to be able to allocate a couple more hours out of my day that I'm spent being creative, not chasing chasing invoices or like whatever. A lot of a lot of people want to know about like presentation. How do you like present things? Do you have like a PDF mock-up like Austin Dunbar of Durham Brandon Co. just goes balls to the wall, the Hoodspa twins, they go balls to the wall in their presentation pitch decks. You know, how do you present work? I'm not gonna get into pricing since your agent will handle that. This is one valuable lesson I learned when I was in New York is that you kind of have to cover all the bases because what we do is so subjective that we can't crawl in the mind of our client to understand what they know exactly. There might be a point like the um, Paul Rands of the world that you're such a veteran and you're so good that you know the idea, you know the solution before your client knows the solution and you know how to sell that through. 
in my case and where I was mentored in New York, um, I understand that there is this flow into the presentation in which you do what the client asks, you do kind of middle of the road and then you do the far out and then you do your best to tell them what they wanted was boring and where they should go is a little bit more center or even further, further left or yeah, further left, um, further out. So I always do that. I always put a lot of effort into showing a huge spectrum of work, uh, stuff that the client's going to expect of me that maybe I would do for each presentation and then throw some oddball idea in there. And you don't know, maybe one out of a hundred, the oddball cool left far left one hits and you're stoked. Um, but you know, that's, I think that's a good practice to, to put in. It takes extra effort, right? So a lot of people just kind of like, um, I need to get this done cause I have X amount of hours. So I'm going to allocate all my, um, time and effort to just doing these three where, if I get three that are good, I'll throw those. If I have seven, I'll throw seven in. You don't have a set guideline. Like I show three or I show no. each project's different for you. Good. But there's one thing that I talked with um, Don Clark a long time ago. I worked on uh, a project with him and I, he mentioned it on the phone. And he said something, oh yeah, option paralysis. <laughs> Meaning like, you know, let's not show so many where the client is looking cross-eyed at you. Um, and I actually like that as a term or showing them one that, you know, is bad. And that's what usually they pick is the shittiest option. Yeah. 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 I've learned that from experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't, <laughs> yeah, show, don't it. show it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to live with that. It's like marrying the wrong, you know, it's just like marrying the wrong person. You're like, why did I say yes? You know, like have the confidence to know that this isn't the right relationship. And, and I've had friends who are like, I don't think she's the one for me, but I'm going to keep going through it. And and then, and then it's like a year later or six months later. And I'm like, they should have listened to you. Go with your gut. It doesn't go better. It doesn't get better. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's worse. Yeah. You got to be in love every day. You see it, you know? So make sure you love the concept you're spitting out to them. Exactly. Unless it's something that they requested to see and then sell them on a better idea. Or just tell them, oh, they'll see it next round. But for right now, I want to show you this stuff I'm excited about. <laughs> That's a good pivot. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. All right. What's been your favorite client project to date? Like my favorite is the Sprite cans because I'm a hip hop junkie. Obviously, the NBA finals because I'm a basketball junkie, but I'm a Lakers fan. And something like the the hate has no home here. I thought that was pretty dope. You know, what's been, you know, you, you can give even a couple if they're different context. You could be a paid one, a volunteer charitable one, or, you know, a, a hookup to a homie. There's a couple, but I think the, the last thing you said actually reminded me of a friend here in San Francisco who runs a coffee shop. He's my buddy, Nabil. He has this small coffee shop just around the corner from my office. And I had been getting coffee there for, I've been getting coffee there for like three, three and a half years now. Um, and the whole time I've been getting coffee there, I'm like, the, the product is amazing. The experience is like, was like a four, a four of 10. Um, the interior was great, but I think since my background is branding, I always kind of look at that and that's higher up on my hierarchy of like aesthetic taste. So, but he was just in a position where, you know, he's a small business owner he does what he can, but he didn't have necessarily access to um, a friend that could help him out in that part of his business. So, but I waited, like I was a patron there for two years before I like 
told him what I did, you know? Um, and I think that's something to keep in mind where I've, I've been asked this question before and people are like, so you just see opportunity, then you roll in, you're like, Hey, I'm going to redo your deli board. I'm like, some people will be cool with that. But if I was a business owner, I'd be like, be offended, like stepping on toes. Yeah. It took me three hours to do that. Like, so I'm mindful of that built up that relationship and then asked him. And the coolest part about doing work for him is that all the Sprite stuff, all of that client work is that you do it in solidarity. Meaning I come to my office, I make that work, I give it to them, they put it into the world, but then I only get tidbits of like seeing it, seeing it in use. So, and it's not like I'm going to go up to someone drinking a Sprite can be like, Hey man, did you read those lyrics? Those are mine. Walking around with the label out like in a movie and just... Yeah. Does that Sprite taste better because of the lettering on the side <laughs> of the can? The stuff with Nabil, like I'm there every day and I actually get to see people who just like roll in and like, oh, hey, you have new enamel pins to sell. These are amazing. Or like the conversations because I illustrate um, all of the stamps that they put on the side of the cups and he lets me do whatever I want just getting to see those moments and how people interact with it as if it's like, it's a focus group, but they don't realize I'm the artist who made all of it. And to see the personal relationship that people have with his brand um, is so cool. And I feel like building that kind of community and helping a small business in that regard, um, it just, it makes me want to do more of that type of work. Was it pro bono in the beginning offered out? Oh yeah. It's, I get free coffee. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm all about the barters. Some people are only like, I'll only take it for paid because, you know, I deserve this. But at the same time, some of that pro bono work, like I did my first three murals for free just to like have proof of concept until I started getting paid gigs. And now it's led to me like having a relationship with those companies and then paying me now. And like it's pizza related work. So like you can't beat that. But, you know, I, you can't be too proud to like go out of your way to help someone out. No. And, and you got to like, I feel like you got to be loyal to that thing that you want to do first, right? You have to be the patron and you have to like understand who, and that, I think in that regards, I got for two years, I got to watch how he operated his business and the clientele that came in before I crafted what I thought he needed his identity to look like as a, as a cafe. And that is just something that we unfortunately don't get with client work because you get a brief then you start in a day or you start in a week and then you just got to get it done. Do you aim to do more local business stuff? Because that seems to be the most rewarding at times. Cause I'm a relationship person. Like I like, yeah, I'm a people person. Yes and no. But like my, my, my radius is small. You know, I like get, I like get my coffee, I get to work and then I don't really go out for dinner that much anymore. So I have my very small radius. Like, I go down this street, I make a right, I go in my office, I get out of my office, pick up my kid, and I go back home. Um, but if something I stumble upon that moves, you know, like I get moved by the spirit, I'm like, this this is like a very cool business and they need help, then yeah, I, I, I might make an effort to find out more about them and eventually hit them up to see if they need work. Word. Um, before we go to rapid fire questions, what's one piece of advice you give to a creative at any stage of life who struggles starting or sticking with it. Find out what your interests are. Passions, like, is it music? Is it movies? Is it, like, shoes? And take that passion. And so say if you went to school and you just studied illustration, well, take that passion that you have with sneakers and music and try to, like, translate those two different things together to make something unique. 
I think one thing I always get asked is like, where do you start? I start by living life. I start by consuming information. I consume music. I consume culture, sports, and all of that comes into play again. You vomit out into your work. Yeah. And I think that's the thing I look for as, as new people coming out is just someone who's got a unique perspective on um, the things that we see every day, but done with their own hand and in their own voice. Once you can start doing that, but you have to start somewhere. And I think you melt all these different things together. That's a great starting point. And you know, spaghetti sticking when you can get lost in the zone. Yeah, man. Time standstills, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if, if only we could squeeze 30-hour days instead of 10-hour uh, days. If yeah. I could have two of me, that would be amazing. Yeah. All right, so rapid fire. If you were on death row, what would your last slice of pizza be? If I was on death row and the last slice of pizza I could eat, I would pick Yo Vinny a whole pie from Pizza Hacker in SF. Mama Mia, dude. My favorite, favorite pie. All right. I think I know this one, but I've been proven wrong at times. So script, serif, or sans serif. Don't let me down. I'm going to say serif because I don't do enough. I don't draw enough serifs. Damn it. I know. Sorry, man. You knew what I was thinking too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was totally yeah. taking you as a script guy. All right. Yeah, I could I could script it till the cows come home, man. What's your favorite typeface at this moment or overall? This question, man. I would say anything done by my boy James Edmondson of Ono Type Co. Okay. I'm really feeling Beast of England, Carnaby Street, but that seems to be everywhere right now. <laughs> Everyone's using that one. Simon Walker. Yes. Oh, man. He's so good. Mm hmm. He's so good. What about Victor Scripp? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be my favorite type. You, you could be self. I plug myself. Yeah. No one's been buying it lately, so I should probably plug it. Yeah, please. I'll put it in the show notes. Look it up on Typekit, dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I Sometimes it's nice when you're like on your Adobe software and you're like, oh, there it is. Hey, beautiful. That's me. Yeah, you and Mark <laughs> Canesso. I see you guys on there all the time. Good crew. Yeah, if someone were to buy you a drink, what drink would that be? A Negroni. All right, what, what's a Negroni? Uh, it's one part Campari, one part Vermouth, one part Gin. All right. Simple enough. Never had that. Last question. Where can people go to find you online? If you have anything dope coming up that you want to announce, workshops, products, new typefaces, whatever. This is a hard, this is the hardest question I have to answer today. Damn. Um, just kidding. Uh, Eric Marinovich, E-R-I-K-M-A-R-I-N-O-V-I-C-H for those of you who don't want to read the show notes. Um, dot com, Instagram, same handle, friends of type. That's about it. Any talks? Any talks coming up? Any workshops coming up? I have a workshop that I'm teaching mid, um, end of June with my buddy James Edmondson at Type at Cooper here in San Francisco, but it's already sold out. Ah, uh, well, you can still you can still pad your stats there for a little bit. If you yeah, want. yeah. <laughs> but yes, I will be. I, in the new year, I'm going to be ramping up um, talks and workshops just because I love it so much, and it's something that. I've had it dialed down um, since having little ones, but now they're getting a little bit older and I've got more flexibility. So you'll be seeing me on the road. And I just like meeting you, you know, like meeting you at Creative Works was such a cool opportunity. Of, you know, conferences are magic. Like everybody I have on the show are people that I've like reached out to from conferences. So people lose sight of like the magic. Yeah. And you're good at this, man. Out of all the ones I've done, I, 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 I like this one. 
this one's good. Try to keep it just conversational, so. Yeah, you and Andy Miller, man. He's on another level. That's like my idol, but I try to not be a fanboy too much, but he, he's on one. He, he's crazy. And by far the chillest. Yeah. Enthusiastic, motivated person I know. Yeah, I don't know if it's good to like plug people's other people's podcasts pretty much all the time, but I do it all the time. I'm like, stop listening to me. Go listen to his shit. So I, I have one thing that the friends of Type Guys, we always say is that uh, keep it in the family, you know, like you have your peer group. And if even if they're mentors or uh, young ones up and coming, it's just keep it in the family promote each other and help each other. I like that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be here. I was pumped that you were pumped that I was pumped to have you on the show and following up with me. I was very honored and humbled, man. I sincerely appreciate your time and have a couple drinks for me tonight too, please. I'll have more than a couple for you. Okay. (laughs) All right, man. I'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Peace. So there you have it, Eric freaking Marinovich, everyone. And he's someone I've looked up to for years now. So having him on the episode today was a trip to say the least. And after I've taken his workshops, I've watched him speak and studying his work has just set a fire under my ass to constantly find ways to elevate my craft to the next level with whatever mediums or styles I can find around me. I hope this episode gave you permission to stay curious and experiment often. If you get an idea and the muse hits, do not wait to throw it down, okay? Stop whatever you're doing if you have the ability to and, you know, get that idea out into the world or at least out into something in front of you. Bring it to life. And if you found value in this episode like I did, don't hesitate to reach out and throw Eric some love as he definitely delivered on this one. Thank you so much, Eric. Moving on to this week's dose of inspiration, this one goes to Daniel Sheridan of D.Sheridan on Instagram. So I'm a sucker for solid illustrative branding and badges and his feed is littered with them. His color palettes will soothe your soul and he goes the extra mile by showing his work alive in the world on flags, walls, and shirts just to name a few. He's definitely someone you should scope out and again, that is D.Sheridan on Instagram. So are you looking for accountability, community, a place to share your work, people to collaborate with, give and receive solid feedback, or get access to resources that'll elevate your creative game? Well, if so, I encourage you to check out the Perspective Dash Collective Facebook group. We have a thriving community building right now, and we would love to have you be a part of the family. Simply hop on Facebook, search for the Perspective Dash Collective to get involved with some rad like-minded people such as yourself. And if you're enjoying what you hear and you want to support the growth of this show, I have a few ways you can make that happen. Again, the first way is by becoming a backer at patreon.com slash perspective podcast with your pledge as little as $1, $3, even $5 per episode. You can support the growth of the show. And I also do my best to hook you up with some rewards. So it's a win-win. The second way to support the growth of this show is for you crypto heads out there In the show notes for each episode, I'll have addresses for Bitcoin, Ether, or Litecoin donations if you prefer to go that route. And finally, you can subscribe and leave a ratings and review over on Apple Podcast. It not only helps the show get discovered, but it gives me an opportunity to give you a nice little thank you plug like this week's rating and review. And this one comes from my homie, Sully Michael. He titled this one, Passion to Help Creatives. Sully states, 
I love Scotty's raw attitude towards negativity and the struggle of creative work. He calls it what it is. It comes through as he interviews guests I look up to and learn from. The only thing driving Scotty more than his love for pizza, cats, and design is his passion to help other creatives. It's infectious and an absolute joy to tune in each week. Thanks for sharing, Scotty. It's definitely making an impact in my life. Thank you so much, Sully. It's been a pleasure to actually finally meet you in person after all the you know, back and forth connecting we've done through social media. So I sincerely appreciate you, brother. And as I wrap things up, I want to give a huge thanks to Anya Brennan for making this episode sound so good all the way from Ireland. And as well, welcome to the team, Paige Garland, who's taking over the show notes and a couple more things in my day-to-day routine for the podcast, which will allow me to focus on the bigger picture tasks. So thank you, Paige. You rock. And as always, I need to thank Nick Jenkins of Bluka for all the dope theme music you hear on this show. Check them out at SoundCloud or at Instagram at Bluka. That's B-L. O-O-K-A-H and as you finish off your week strong I want to encourage you to keep showing up keep putting in the work and keep creating you got this